need to learn. I want you to, I guess, by way of introduction, I want you to think about the palace guards at, at a Buckingham Palace. Has anybody ever visited there and seen them? Okay, a couple of people have. What was, that, what was the thing that, I guess, that, that really stood out to you? I've seen pictures, I've seen video clips of, of the palace guards standing there, straight and tall, and just looking forward and not moving. All right, so they, they stand there for ages. I, did a, little, I did, did a little bit of research to kind of find out how long they stand there um, without moving. Um, and what I read was that they need to stand there for 10 minutes without moving. And then they get the chance to march around. You'll see them march along the front. And then they get to the next place and then they'll just stand there. And they do that for about two hours. And then I think they have about, I uh, see the four or six hour break. And then they do another two hours. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's um, how often they do that. But, but you'll see on, on YouTube or on the news, you'll see people that, and that will come up and they'll try and stir those guards up. They'll try and get them to move. They'll do anything and everything. They'll, they will pull faces. They will, um, they'll try and stir them up. They'll, they will say things to those people, um, um, those guards, to try and get them to move. But to their credit, usually they just stand there, straight as anything, just looking straight forward. And I think that is a perfect picture of consistency. Perfect picture of consistency. Have you ever thought about consistency? Consistency is one of those character traits that a lot of people fail to develop through their lifetime. It seems that most of the successful people in their fields have found the secret that, um, to their success, and that's consistency. I want you to think about the swimmer who, is, who, who has ambitions to, to maybe swim in the Olympics. Think about the regime that they go through to get there. There's a lot of consistency. You'll find that the professional swimmer who, who, is, who is trying to achieve the greatest that he can be will often get up really early in the morning and usually every morning. There is a lot of consistency there. And normally if you fail to follow that regime, you, don't, you usually don't get as far as, as your potential can take you. There is a lot of consistency. The swimmers, the athletics, um, whether, you're, whether you're a fighter, whether you're a runner, whether you're on whatever sport, there is normally consistency in training. There's consistency to get to the top of your field. I want you to think about those who may be in the top of their field in education those with the greatest minds of our time, you'll find that in their early stages of learning through their schooling, um, those that achieve the greatest in education are often those that have the, have the most regular routine in learning, regular routine in studying. Those that um, achieve great in university are those that regularly study. I remember there used to be, I think they attended here, there was a student... Um, that they may have attended here for a short while, but then they went on to another school. But I did hear that this person, who was quite brainy, whenever there was an activity on, he often turned it down because he had to study. Now, he's gone on to be some scientist or something or other, but there's a consistency in studying to get to the top of your field. I'm learning in my business um, within the cleaning industry that there are, there are proven systems that if you follow them consistently you will achieve certain success. Um, when it comes to sales, I know with us, if you, do, if you do X amount of activity, as far as I'm knocking on doors, you usually find there's Y amount of percentage of conversion, which equals Z, which equals, um, Z amount of dollars. So there's, if you follow the processes, 
you will succeed. If you follow the processes, you normally have a predictable outcome. And I want to encourage you tonight that consistency in your life is, is vital. If the world sees the importance of consistent behaviour, why don't we see the, the, the importance of consistency with our spiritual life? The text here in verse, in verse 58 really drives home the thought of consistency. In verse 58 it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as you know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. I think within this particular verse, there are two different types of thoughts with consistency that I want to briefly mention tonight. Then we'll have a, we'll have a look at another verse, another passage that kind of sums it up and solidifies that thought. But the first part is I want you to think about is other words, steadfast and, and unmovable. Steadfast and unmovable. This has the idea of being settled. I think about the palace guards. They're steadfast and unmovable. They're settled in what they have to do. Their, their focus is on the job at hand. They've been told that they need to stand there for 10 minutes at a time, no matter what comes by, no matter who stirs you up, no matter what they do to get you to react, you need to be steadfast and unmovable. And on the rare occasion, have you ever seen on the news where a guard reacts to something? And usually they get in trouble for doing that. Their goal is to be steadfast, unmovable. And that's the sort of thing that we need to do as Christians. We need to be steadfast, not only in what we believe, but how we live our Christian life. We need to have predetermined mindset. When that guard goes out on duty, he doesn't think, well, I wonder what I should do today. He has a predetermined um, thought in mind that I'm going to stand there, I'm going to do my duty the correct way, I'm going to do it steadfastly, and no matter what comes my way, I'm going to be unmovable in the service of the queen or the king, or in this case, it's the queen. But for us, we need to have that same mindset that we're going to be steadfast and unmovable in the service of the king, the king of kings. It's very vital. I want to have a look in, in James chapter 1, verse 5 and 8. James chapter 1, verse 5 and 8. There's, there's a couple of verses that, that kind of reinforce this particular thought. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. The Bible says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Then verse 8 gives a, a, a good statement. It says, double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I think about being steadfast and unmovable. If you're going to be wavering in your faith, the Bible says, let him ask in faith nothing wavering, not to be double-minded. That's kind of the opposite of being steadfast and unmovable. Wavering means you're moving to and fro. It means you're not settled. Steadfast, unmovable means you're settled. But when you're tossed to and fro, just like, a, just like the wave of the sea, you're, the Bible describes you as a, that is, uh, as a man that is, uh, that is, is double-minded and unstable in all your ways. So James chapter 1 really gives us an insight on how we're supposed to be with our Christian life. We're supposed to be stable, firm, nothing wavering. I wonder about you tonight. Are you the sort of Christian 
who wavers on things. You know, there are a lot of different doctrines that, that come out regularly. All you've got to do is, is listen uh, or, or have a look on the internet. If you follow certain preachers, if you follow certain, uh, if you follow certain authors, you'll soon find that a new thing will pop up and you'll go, oh, I've never heard that before. And if you're not, and if you're not cautious, if you're not settled in what you believe, it's quite easy to think, I wonder if that's right. I've never actually heard that before. And so easily we can be wavering over this way and wavering over that way. All it takes is something to come on the news and, 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 and a lot of people are going to that thing and if we're not solid, if, if we're not settled in what we believe, it's easy to wonder, I wonder if that's the right way to go. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that have left our church because of teachings. They've wavered and, and they've gone out from us. We need to be settled steadfast, unmovable. Isn't Satan a master of getting us distracted and being double-minded? He knows exactly how we're going to falter. He knows which areas to get us to be distracted. He knows what it's going to take to make you to start wavering in your faith. Um, even as a, as, I guess, as a part-time preacher or an evangelist, when I know I've got to study, it, it's... it's it's uncanny that things pop up to try and take your mind off things. Things pop up, people pop up, conversations pop up, entertainment pops up, opportunities pop up, and you think, before you know it, you're far away from what you're supposed to be doing. And I struggled um, with this over the, over the last 24 hours when Pastor asked me. Uh, there was work to do, had plans on the day that he asked me, and, and things were just coming up, and it was like, I've got to get focused. And Satan's a master of, at, at getting us away from what we've got to do and we, we can start to waver and be double-minded. So steadfast, unmovable, then let's have a move back to 1 Corinthians again where we just were at, at verse 58. The next part of that, of that verse says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So not only does consistency have the idea of being steadfast and movable, so where we're solid and settled, but now there's some activity for consistency, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And this to me describes some consistent action in service. I wonder, I wonder when you serve in the local church, are you consistent at it? Do you continue with it? You know, it's easy to find excuses why we shouldn't serve. If you've been in service long enough, Let's say you, you've been faithfully serving in the local church for the last maybe two years. It's easy to get thoughts that say, I've been doing this long enough, it's someone else's turn. Or I'm tired of doing this. It, it, it's, it's a chore each week to get up and, and prepare for this lesson or prepare for this ministry that I'm involved in. Sometimes the thoughts might come, well, I don't ever seem to really be, ever be appreciated for what I do. I don't get any recognition for what I'm doing. And all these thoughts that can come to make us to be inconsistent in our service. Please let me encourage you, don't be that sort of person who is inconsistent. Be consistent with what you are called to do. Be consistent with what God opens for you to do. Because what happens is as soon as you start to be inconsistent in service, you stop that, you stop that working for the Lord, I guarantee you before too long you will start to be dissatisfied with church. If you're serving and you stop, you think, I just need a break. 
I guarantee you if you have a break too long, before too long you'll be out of church because you just get dissatisfied with things. You know, there are a lot of older Christians in the Lord when I first got saved that are no longer abounding in the work of the Lord that I wish they were. It discourages, me, it discourages me sometimes when I look back at those who were influential in leading me to Christ, those who were pivotal, those who took the word of God and, and preached truth and lived truth, who are still alive but are no longer in church. And I think, how can those things be? Somewhere along the way, they've stopped being consistent in their working and serving the Lord, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always. Understand that God knows your labour is not in vain when you're working for the Lord. So don't ever feel underappreciated. Don't ever feel like you're not getting your worth. God sees it and it's not in vain in the Lord. I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25, which will further illustrate this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 to 25. The Bible says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. There's that word wavering again. For he is faithful that promised. And then it says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, sim- so, so some simple thoughts in these verses. But it kind, of summar- it kind of sums up and summarises what, what we're looking at in verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 23 tells us to hold fast the profession of our faith. There's that being steadfast, unmovable. Hold fast. Don't move on it. Be settled in it. Hold fast. And there's that word in, 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 verse, in verse 23, without wavering. Don't be tossed to and fro. Hold fast. Sums up what, what we've been talking about. I want you to imagine the centurion in the Gospels if he wavered in his faith when it comes to, when it comes to whether Jesus could heal his servant or not. If, if he come to Jesus and said, uh, my, uh, my servant is sick, and Jesus says, hey, I'll go, and, I'll go and heal him, but oh, I've heard you get help, but I'm just not sure if you can or not. What if his faith wavered? The Bible aptly describes his faith that, that Jesus was, whoa, His faith is, I've never seen this before. This is great faith. Just say the words and he'll be healed. Imagine if the centurion wavered in his faith. If he didn't hold fast what he believed in Jesus, what Jesus could do. Think about Peter. His faith wavered when he was walking on the water. And he started to sink. If we're not holding fast the profession of our faith, we uh, we will begin to fail. We will begin to sink. We won't be consistent in our in our Christian walk. Verse 24 gives me the key to be able to continue with our consistency in our faith. Verse 24 says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. So there's three words here that I want to to bring to your attention. And this is our part in helping others be consistent. The Bible teaches us that we need to be consistent ourselves. It's something that the Bible says you need to do. You need to be steadfast. You need to be unmovable. You need to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. 
It's something that you need to do. But in this passage, it tells us to, to hold fast the profession of our faith. But then it goes on to illustrate that there's a responsibility of all of us to make sure that each one of us is still being consistent. And that's found in, in verse uh, 24 and verse 25. The three things that mentioned there, it says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. So first thing is to consider. This is a pivotal truth and something that we should do and sometimes people do do, but sometimes they get it wrong. The Bible tells us we're supposed to consider one another. If we're considering something, we're thinking about them. We're looking at them. We're taking note of what's actually going on. Um, it's easy to see sometimes when you're consistent in church, it's easy to see when someone is struggling with something. Most of you will know if, if I come to church, if I'm in a bad mood, because I'll be very quiet. I won't want to talk to anyone. People will be going, oh, don't go any Brother Paul, he's in a bad mood. You can normally tell because you can consider my countenance. Those who are normally very positive and very jovial and very welcoming, sometimes when they're sitting by themselves, you can normally tell they're either going through something, something's weighing them down, they're upset about something, but you can only notice that if you're considering them. And I want to encourage you to consider one another. Take time to note what's going on. Be familiar enough to, to know when somebody's struggling with something. Now, I know for most people, they, they don't go looking for attention or for people to come to them. But as a family of God, we're supposed to. We're supposed to consider one another. Now, we're not supposed to, be, we're not supposed to consider one another to be busybodies, but it goes on to the next part there. It says, we're to consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. As I see you struggling with something, or if I see you maybe not being consistent, I'm supposed to provoke you and say, you need to, you, you need to get back on track. You need to maybe stop what you're doing. Let me encourage you with something. Let me help you. Let me be there for you. Let me come alongside you and encourage you, provoke you. You know, the best way we can provoke someone is by, is by living by example as there's nothing worse than just being told by someone that you're doing something wrong and that you need to change. But if someone comes along that is living the right way, who is living the changes in their life, and they say, brother, I want to encourage you. I had some struggles and I'm making some changes and you can see that I'm now living right. Let me help you and I'm to do the same. That's what we're supposed to do as brethren. We're supposed to consider one another, but we're also supposed to provoke one another. I think our testimony is one of the greatest tools to help others, not only for the lost to get saved, but a good godly Christian testimony can, can, speak, can speak volumes for those within our local church. You need to live consistently if you're going to provoke others. And then the, then the next part is in verse 25. So we're to consider others, provoke one another, and then we're supposed to exhort one another in verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I know this particular context is talking about those who are not consistent in church attendance. And let me encourage you, to the best of your ability, be consistent in church. Be consistent in church. It's not because we just want to be able to count the numbers off, but if you're not in church you're missing an opportunity to encourage someone else. 
I want you to think about Wednesday night of late because uh, often because we put on some, some food, attendance on Wednesday nights has, in, has increased a little bit. But I want you may not have ever thought about this. Can you imagine for the, for the person that speaks on Wednesday night as they, as they walk from the back or as they come in on a Wednesday night, if pastor's been in his office and he walks out and he sees 25 people here, do you think he's going to come to the pulpit excited and, and ready to go? I know sometimes when I've, when I've come on a Wednesday night and there's been less attendance and I've spoken, it, it can be very discouraging. It can be discouraging when people aren't here. So it's not a matter of just numbers, but by you being consistent in church, you encourage the preacher. You encourage the other brethren. I don't know what it's like for you, but tonight there's, there's a good volume of people. It's encouraging, not just as a preacher, but to know that people are interested in church. People have turned up not just out of duty, but it could be for the free meal, but at least you're here, and that's encouraging. You actually get an opportunity to exhort somebody else, to encourage someone else, come alongside them. If you're not in church, how are you going to examine someone? How are you, how are you going to consider somebody? You need to be here. As we, as we encourage others, we hold each other accountable, and we have someone to talk to. I really encourage certain, I, 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 really, uh, I really appreciate certain people in our church. I've got one brother who encourages me regularly, and I believe he encourages others, but, but Brother Steve regularly sends me Bible verses via text, just at different times, and says, I'm praying for you, or this blessed me, and you read it and you think, wow, that, that's great. Someone's considering me. Someone's trying to encourage me. And I really appreciate that. Should have a, a core group of friends that you, that you can relate with, that you can talk with, that you can be held accountable to. I've got a couple of men in the church that, that, that we regularly message on, uh, on WhatsApp and we're encouraging one another, often just, just throwing out ideas. And what do you think about this? What do you think about that? We have a good laugh. We have a, whatever it is. But it's, it's encouraging. It's good to provoke, to exhort one another. I wonder, do you exhort the brethren? Do you look for opportunities to just help? Look for uh, opportunities just to encourage. If you, in, if you enjoyed the meal tonight, Sister Nicole, did you, did you make that yourself or did you get help? Should, you should encourage the ladies and say, really appreciate the meal, it was great. Thank you. You spent time. Can you imagine if they never ever ever got told that it was nice? And they're preparing and they think, well, I hope it tastes good, we have got no feedback. And how discouraging that can be, how that can be. Well, I never remember was mentioned about, it's easy to get thoughts of, I never feel appreciated. I do this every week and I, I, no one ever seems to respond. And, but it's a blessing. I enjoy the meals. They're, they're not the same thing every week. Um, every time I can be here on a Wednesday night, it's encouraging to have, I'd have something nice to eat. And we need to encourage others. This passage hits the consistency of church attendance and we need to make sure we're here at church. You know, there are so many examples within the Bible of people that were consistent. Um, I won't go into them, but I'll just mention a couple that I thought of. Think about Daniel and his prayer life consistent, through opposition, made a choice to be consistent in prayer. Think about even, even Noah in building the ark. After so long and tediously building and building 
and building. Can you imagine if he got to a certain point and said, I have no idea why I'm doing this. People laugh at me. It's, I don't seem to be getting anywhere. This is building something that really I can't see any real reason for it. The ark wouldn't have been built. Floods still would have come and would have perished. But there was consistency, even through hard times, even through times that seemed to be, I don't know what's going on. I even think about Joseph, even through the trials and different things he went through, he was consistent with a Christ-like attitude, Christ-like spirit. If you look at all these different uh, people through the word of God, they give us a great insight into what it's like to be consistent. I want to close with one quick verse and then we'll be done. There is a benefit of being consistent. Let's have a look in James chapter 1 again. James chapter 1 verse 12. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The key in that verse for me when I think about consistency is endureth. Blessed is the man that, to me, is consistent in resisting temptation. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. He doesn't succumb to it. He's consistent in what he's doing that's right. God says, blessed is he. He received a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. I want to encourage you, God sees your consistent walk. God sees your consistent, encouraging life. God sees when you struggle and yet, yet you still... You still get up and do what's right. You, you're tired on a Wednesday night and yet he sees when you still come to church. Not because of show, but because you know it's a good thing to do. You know it's going to encourage pastor. You know it's going to, you're going to get an opportunity to see someone that's struggling and maybe have a word with them. God sees that. And I really believe God blesses those who are consistent. God never says, I'm only going to bless those that are perfect Christians or those that are at the top of the food chain within the church. God doesn't, doesn't say that. But he, said he, he says he blesses those that endure, those that are consistent, those that just keep going, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I want to encourage you with that tonight, that consistency is something a lot of people just don't get. A lot of people will just, they flip around when it, when it comes to what they believe, when it comes to who they go out with, when it comes to... Where they work comes down to where they live when it comes down to so forth, so forth and so forth. But God's looking for consistency within our spiritual walk, consistency in our service for him. I haven't reached consistency yet, but I see the need for me to be consistent and I'm still working on it. And God's working on me and I believe God's working on you. Why don't we pray? Thank you for, for being patient and I really appreciate you being here at church tonight. It has encouraged me by seeing so many. Lord, I do thank you for um, tonight. Thank you for those that have come again. Thank you for uh, a special blessing I ask on those that prepared the meal tonight. Thank you for them. Thank you for Pastor and Cassie and, and the new baby. I pray that you would uh, please bless them and help them and encourage them and help us to be... Uh, ever mindful of what's going on there so we can be a blessing and, 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 and to consider them and the, um, the tiredness that Cassie has and, and, and just the things that go with the, with the newborn. Help us to be, uh, to be praying for them and consistent in that. 
And I thank you for the opportunities we have. And please just bless um, the rest of the night and also our service and in the days ahead, heading toward the weekend. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.